Hi everyone, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and this is episode number 41 of the podcast that is For the Love of Movies. I hope everyone's doing well and had a great weekend. A little bit of housekeeping, as always, before we start today's show. First off, thank you, as always, to you, the faithful listeners of this show. 2023, well, it's Still surreal to even say that, but 2023 is in full swing, and we are charging forward. So here's a quick toast. Here is to a phenomenal year at the movies and an even better one all the way around. And I hope everyone out there is having a fantastic start to this new year. And if you've had any rough patches along the way, uh, I sincerely hope that better days lie ahead. Now, if you have not done so already, uh, please, I would encourage you if you would be so kind to uh, rate and review this podcast and of course follow me on twitter and instagram all the info is in the show notes lastly feel free to recommend this podcast that is of course how it will grow through word of mouth and uh, friends sharing with friends family sharing with family etc etc but anyone who you think might enjoy listening to a fellow movie buff go on and on perhaps too much at some points but uh, his love of movies for as i've said before and i'll say it again this podcast is for the love of movies but in any event thank you as always for tuning in and without any further ado let's get today's show started so as evident by the sound effect, you can probably guess the topic of today's show. Yes, I have watched another slasher film, and I want to talk about it with you today. Of course, the film that I am talking about just debuted last Friday, the 13th, as a matter of fact. And it is the new slasher film written by Kevin Williamson, who, of course, is the, uh, the writer of the original Scream and many of its sequels. And the film is appropriately titled Sick. And frankly, what a great title for a slasher movie and more importantly, a topical slasher movie. Now, just to uh, to put it out there, um, there will be some spoilers ahead. So if you have not seen the film, uh, I would suggest this would be the time that you step away from the podcast and go check out this movie. It is streaming now on Peacock. But what we have here is a really tight, suspenseful slasher flick that runs, and I'm not kidding you, it's 83 minutes long, which is is definitely on the shorter end for a slasher film. Most of them are usually around the 90 to maybe a little bit over that. But uh, I have to say, for a, uh, a tight script and a film that, that, that is quick, on the suspense, there's a lot that's accomplished in such a short amount of time. You've got some great kills, actually a very low <laughs> body count for a slasher movie, but that kind of really goes back to my uh, my thinking that it's always about quality, not quantity. Uh, in this case, think back to the original Halloween um, as a perfect example. But uh, see, I had to get a little bit of a Halloween plug in there because, you know, every day is Halloween in my house, or at the very least, uh, it should be. But uh, in any event, we get a little bit of setup right at the beginning of this movie, and then once we clear the exposition hurdle, it is nonstop thrills, heart-stopping fun, and and just a great, entertaining slasher film. That while it doesn't reinvent the uh, the wheel, so to speak, it is suspenseful, it is entertaining, and it's kind of a perfect. Uh, I guess kind of what you might call it a, a gateway to other slasher films. So if you're uh, you know, maybe a little uh, squeamish <laughs> on uh, on uh, slasher films, this would be one I would recommend because uh, you know it, it it comes at you. It, it is definitely uh, uh, aggressive at some points. I mean, there was some genuine suspense and, and moments of terror in the film. I'm thinking there's a there's a scene. Well, first of all, it's set on a lake, which. I just think that is one of the best settings for any horror film, but especially a slasher film. I mean, just think Friday the 13th uh, as the clear example, though there have been other ones along the way uh, to uh, sort of you know, lesser <laughs> lesser quality, if you will, than, than Friday the 13th. But first off, you get a great setting for a slasher film because the film itself is set during the height of the pandemic. So there is a topical element to this film and while the beginning 
definitely was was triggering some some painful memories for me. I mean, I think you know it goes without saying, COVID was hell, and God willing, we'll never have to go through that again. So it was a little jarring at the beginning because it did sort of you know give an eerie throwback to something that's just only you know two and a half years, almost three years uh, in the in the distance at this point. Uh, you know, with the the empty shelves at the store and everybody in a mask and just sort of that heightened sense of, of, of terror and fear that was sweeping uh, across the country and frankly around the world about this invisible enemy. And, and, and while, you know, that kind of is abrasive at the start, I have to say uh, props to Kevin Williamson for tapping into that, that primal fear that I think we all felt back during the early days of the pandemic, especially when it came to the isolation and, and sort of, okay, did you, know, did you wash your hands? Did you bring your mask? Like there was all those uh, those feelings and experience that we all went through. So there is that kind of collective experience that's encompassed in this film. And then, of course, you said it, uh, you know, as a good old slasher film, you do have a good uh, a good mixture there. And, of course, Kevin Williamson never, never misses as far as I'm concerned. He's written... Some great, great films over the years, uh, most notably, of course, being uh, being Scream. But um, in any event, as I was saying, you know, you've got an eerie setting because you've got these two friends who are going to spend their quarantine up at, uh, up at the lake house. And so they go up there. They're the only ones, or so they think, and it's isolated. And then one of the main character's boyfriends, he decides to, to crash the party. And then, you know, again, there's always that sort of awkward uh, uh, tension when you introduce another character because then it's like, okay, is this the killer? Is this a red herring? And, of course, it does prove to be a red herring because 9 out of 10 when, when you've got a, a boyfriend or a significant other uh, in the in a, in a slasher film, even an, ex, uh, an, an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, chances are they're not going to make it to the final act. And that, of course, does happen uh, in this film once the, uh, once the killer reveals uh, himself, or I should say the killers reveal themselves, because there are multiple killers in this film, which, again, you know, sort of a nice little, uh, nice little hat trick there, uh, you know, keeping, uh, keeping us on our toes, keeping us, uh, uh, you know, guessing all the way to the very end. And as I said, there was, there were some genuine moments of, of real uh, terror and, and suspense, because, again, a lake house setting is is perfect for a horror film, especially a slasher, because you have that that already that isolation factor that the characters are cut off, and now you know you set it in in modern times with a pandemic going on, and everybody's already on edge and and sort of dreading uh, human contact or, or coming close to somebody. Uh, it, it's just it's just pure adrenaline and 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 really terror that you know is both. Uh, both imagined, of course, but also there is that that sense of realism in it because we've all had that experience of going through the pandemic and oh, do you have your mask? And oh my God, should I wash you know down my groceries? I mean, it was all that kind of stuff that just sort of came back uh, into view. And of course, to do it in a horror film or a slasher film, it's a perfect way to to touch on these sometimes sensitive, uh, uh, topical. Uh, touch points, if you will, uh, that we uh, either have experienced or the majority of us have experienced at some point. I mean, horror is always fascinating because you can sort of take real-life scenarios and, and expand them on the canvas of uh, of a scary movie and really work out the tension and the drama. But uh, as I was saying uh, before I kind of got off on that little that little side tangent, uh, kind of setting setting the stage here, uh, th- there is a, a part in this film where one of the characters has to swim across, out into the lake and then ends up getting onto the, uh, to the uh, onto a dock um, and and you know tries to get away uh, from the killer and then the killer ends up swimming out uh, after her and I mean th- there was some like oh my god like this was one of those moments where even though I've seen these movies you know these types of films. Hundreds of times, you know, you can kind of, you know, guess when there's going to be a, a shock moment coming. The scene with her trapped essentially out in the middle of the lake on a dock, and you know there's a killer there, 
was genuinely frightening. And you know, then the knife you know comes up through the dock, and, and there's this whole back and forth. And I was like, wow, that, that's actually really well done because, like I said, this film doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it does take a lot of the familiar concepts and and tropes that we always associate with these these kinds of movies, and and kind of maybe not plays you know overly uh, self-aware, but there's definitely a, a subtle acknowledgement. Uh, of of the uh, of the genre and kind of you know what to do what not to do that sort of thing and, and that's always that's always appreciative I, I like a smart and sharp uh, slasher film because not only you know is it is it exciting and and kind of you know suspenseful but there's also that 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 semi self awareness which uh, you know sometimes can be overdone uh, with these kinds of of movies I and. Mean, it's always about trying to find and, and strike that that balance, and this film definitely strikes that balance, especially when dealing with the kind of I don't want to call it heavy material, but but certainly the the pandemic and COVID has been a part of our lives for what feels like forever right now, and it has impacted all of us in some shape or form, whether we've had COVID or we've known people that have had COVID or, 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 you know, uh, you know, the worst case scenario lost someone, uh, to COVID. So, I mean, we've all had some experience with this invisible enemy over the last few years. And that's, that's frightening in and, in and of itself because it's, it's the unknown. It's something you can't see. And what a perfect ex- uh, place to experience that and, and sort of expand on that in the context of a horror movie. And that's of course what, sick ultimately does and and again perfect play on the word sick you've got of course the you know the sort of the literal sense a sick uh, individual or or maybe a sick uh, a person but but also kind of the whole the whole situation is sick and twisted and kind of what our lives have become to an extent um you know definitely a definitely a, a a cool concept but as i said there is this sort of you know and heavy is probably not the right word, but but it, it is very topical, and it sort of takes you know to an extreme because the the twist in the film is that you know there's 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 ends up being a total of three killers, and of course by the end of it there's only only uh, one of them left. But sort of in the big reveal in the uh, uh, in the finale, it's uh, uncovered that the reason. These uh, these girls are being targeted, or in this case, one of, one of them is being targeted, is because while at a party, she had been asymptomatic with COVID and infected uh, uh, this uh, couple's son, and thus he contracted the virus and then ultimately died for it, uh, died because of it, and so there was this whole uh, revenge scheme that they plotted to try and 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 take her out, so to speak, and. You know, I have to say that was that was sort of a, a unique way to take the the pandemic and really go to the extreme with it. Um, you know, again, found a way to you know sort of you know play uh, play in the sandbox, so to speak, while also uh, you know addressing a, a a topical theme, which or a topical point, which is the pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of scream vibes with this film, of course, because it's Kevin Williamson. Uh, you definitely get that that sort of a twisted, sick killer revenge theme, but there's also some nods to Friday the Thirteenth, the lake uh, setting being, of course, one of them, but also the the angry and 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 revenge crazed mother in the case of Jason Voorhees' mom from Friday the Thirteenth. So, I mean, there's a lot of that y- unique symmetry that sort of circles back in all of these films, but um, it was it was interesting to see it done in the context of, of the pandemic and, and COVID because, I mean, we're still, we're still sort of coming out of this whole nightmare and there really hasn't been much in the way of, of movies or, or uh, pieces of, 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 you know, of, of literature or, or media that really have kind of explored life, you know, with, with COVID or, or kind of during the pandemic. And I think now that we're, you know, God willing, turning the corner. I think we're going to see more, more, uh, you know, pieces of fiction and and other kinds of ways to tell stories because, you know, this is something that in, that impacted all of us, even in a small, 
uh, uh, you know, what may seem insignificant, but it, it, it impacted all of us in some way, shape, or form. And I think that definitely lends itself to potential for storytelling. And, and here's a perfect case right here with a slasher film, which takes takes the backdrop of a pandemic and, and sort of addresses it while also giving the, the necessary chase and slasher and stalker elements that are associated with these kinds of movies. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, it didn't reinvent the wheel, but it didn't have to. Uh, it was entertaining. It was suspenseful. And it was kind of a great way to kick off 2023. Uh, and what better way than, than with a horror film? So I uh, definitely recommend this film if you have not seen it. As I said, it's streaming on Peacock right now. And uh, it, it is definitely worth uh, worth the time. At 83 minutes long, uh, that is a that is a perfect runtime for a film like this. Says what it needs to say, and then gets right to the action. And that sometimes is all you need. All right, that sound means I have another horror film to talk with you about today. It's a double feature for the genre, but uh, definitely excited to share with you my thoughts on this film, which came out last year. And uh, I only briefly touched on it closer to the end of the year, so I felt a, a special episode dedicated to it was in order. And of course, the film I am talking about is Pearl, the second installment and also the prequel to Ty West's X, which came out earlier in 2022 as well. And this is the set of films that introduced us to the sadistic serial killer and perhaps sex fiend Pearl, played by Mia Goth. And as I said, there are two films in the series now with a third film on the way, making this a rarity in the horror genre, to uh, to quote Randy from the Scream franchise. A rarity, but nevertheless uh, an incredible feat, or soon to be, uh, an incredible feat, and I, I have no doubt that Maxine, which is the forthcoming third and final installment, will no doubt live up to expectations, because if it's possible, the sequel, prequel, not only was a great film in its own right, but you will hear it here right from me, I think Pearl tops X. It is better, it is more suspenseful, it is more engaging, and that is why I want to talk with you about it today. But before, let me do a little refresher. Ellen, spoiler warning ahead if you have not seen either film and would like to savor the experience, this would be the time to step away from the podcast and return after you have seen uh, both films. So, in any event, uh, disclaimer has been put out there. But X, of course, is this nice... <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's probably an interesting choice of words. But um, it is a, a tribute, if you will, to the grungy, gritty horror films of the 1970s. A lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. And, and I won't get into the whole uh, background of it. I did a, an episode on that particular film, I think back in March or April of last year. So if you are interested in hearing more about my thoughts on X, you can definitely check it out. But uh, just sort of as a, uh, to start off, I thought X was great. It was this this sharp, edgy reinvention uh, of a familiar genre uh, that tackled some interesting themes and stories such as Aging and the fear of it, ambition, lost ambition, dreaming, living your life. And again, doing this all in the context of a horror movie, it's a perfect place to explore these ideas and real world themes while, of course, having a, a crazed killer hunting you on their farm. Now, one of the interesting parallels, of course, with, with X and with Pearl, not only do you have Mia Goth playing in, in in both films, the lead characters, but the the overlap between both characters. So in X, uh, Mia Goth plays Maxine, this aspiring actress who is going with her friends uh, and, and boyfriend to make a dirty movie while they are renting a cottage on this farm. 
and of course they uh, they fall victim to the uh, sadistic and 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 perverted uh, killer who lives on the farm Pearl also played by by Mia Goth and for those of you who haven't seen it I, I would just say it is an incredible transformation of uh, of an actress and and the fact that it was her playing both characters and that was something I did not realize until a little while after I had seen the film it is such an incredible feat I mean not only do you have you know this incredible makeup work because you've got you know Mia Goth who's you know essentially you know looking like herself you know young twenty you know, something but then when she plays uh, Pearl it's this transformation into this elderly uh you know kind of gnarled uh, older woman and again it does not look like her but even just without uh you know putting the makeup aside the performance it, it's it's like watching somebody else playing this character and i mean that's that's a incredible feat in and of itself but as i was saying there is this interesting overlap between both of these characters maxine and Pearl, and it's that Maxine is sort of you know de- determined to become uh, a star. She wants to be in movies. She wants people to know her name, and, and that is the basis for the film Pearl, which takes place years before the events of X. So, if X is set in the 1970s, Pearl is now set in 1918 against the backdrop of World War One, as well as the pandemic that was going on at that time. So, you know, again, interesting real-world similarities that find themselves in horror films always is appreciated. But in any event, Pearl tells this story of, of Pearl, and it really isn't her descent into madness because we get this feeling right at the start of the film that there is something off with this woman and even though we've have the the context of where she ends up in in X it's rather dramatic to see her go kind of you know start at point A and then go all the way all the way to Z really without missing a beat and yet it's a it's really a, a pulling of the heartstrings because in many ways, we're presented with a lot of sympathy for this character at the start of the film. Uh, her husband has gone off to fight in the war. She's been called home to help take care of her ailing father. Her mother and her don't have a great relationship, and there's a lot of friction and tension in the house. And so right off the bat, we're, we're you know presented with someone that's sort of longing to, to get off this farm and to find a better life for herself, to you know, find you know, something over the rainbow. There's almost kind of a, a Dorothy Gale vibe from The Wizard of Oz of just sort of yearning for a life better than the farm and there must be something out there over the rainbow, so to speak. And much of this, you know, I'd say probably first and second act is her sort of trying to find a way to get off this farm and, and you know make it as a star, make it as a dancer. She wants to audition and be a part of this dance troupe that's coming through town because you know she sees that as her way to maybe get off the farm and out of this area and into a, a better location and, and hopefully a better frame of mind. But as I said, we're, we're presented with a lot of sympathy for the character at the start, and that ultimately becomes very complicated and, and, and frankly spirals off in another direction once we see that this is, uh, this is a character that is, is clearly uh, out of her mind and, and will, will you know, not bat an eye uh, when it comes to either hurting someone or, or, or something in her way just so she can feel better about herself. And it's, it's really an incredible just performance Forget the, all the horror elements because there are, you know, moments of terror and suspense and, and blood and guts and all the things you might associate with these films. But if you strip all that away and you just watch this performance, it, it's really both terrifying and hauntingly beautiful at the same time. And I, I'm, I'm sad that that 
even though you know the film has done well and 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 a lot of people enjoy them i'm sad that there hasn't been more recognition for mia goss acting and, and specifically in the form uh, of awards nominations because this is one of the one of the best performances from last year without question it is unnerving it is unsettling it is terrifying it is gut-wrenching i mean just Open up the thesaurus and, and pick your adjective, and it will apply to Mia Goth and, and her performance. It is, it is, it is amazing. It is unsettling, and you know, in a world where horror films were, were given their due, or, or I should say, you know, were given a due more often at uh, uh, at awards uh, uh, nominations, without question, this would be an Oscar-worthy performance but i mean that's you know it's neither here nor there i just had to get that off my uh, off my chest but just watching this performance and that's why i would say of the two films especially if you're not a fan of the straightforward blood and guts uh, and elements of a horror film i would say watch pearl because it really is a character piece this is a a slow burner it is not boom 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 from the minute the film starts we're really going on this journey and it's almost a journey through the character's psyche and kind of seeing the world as she sees it and we're pulled along with her and so we're there with her for the heartbreak we're there with her for the moments of frustration and so we're kind of in a way you know rooting for this character because we want her to have a better life we want her to get off this farm and and be happy it's only then once the uh sort of uh, the, the the darker elements happen and she you know sort of you know goes uh, goes into the pearl that we ultimately know from the movie x that we're sort of uh, uh you know uh terrified and and repulsed because we now see this character uh is capable of so much of so much harm and and frankly is is frightening and there is a scene closer to the end of the film where she uh apply you know she auditions to be in the dance troupe and and she ultimately doesn't get it and she has this sort of semi meltdown on stage and i, I will just say go and find it you know even just find the clip on YouTube. I mean, again, go watch the film because it is truly one of the years, uh, one of last year's absolute best. I mean, I put it as my number five uh, favorite film from last year. But she has this, you know, sort of a semi meltdown where she's crying and she's, you know, you know, she's, I won't say she's screaming, but she's definitely getting uh, to the point of uh, going over the edge because, of course, by this point, you know, she has already begun to uh uh begin to descend fully into madness or really i can't even say descend because she's presented as kind of already being aware that there is something wrong with her that she has these darker impulses and 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 traits and it's more kind of a revelation or an unveiling at this point and so once she uh gets dismissed she goes home and she's reunited with her sister-in-law and her sister-in-law uh, you know, was also auditioning for the dance troupe. And, and she doesn't want to admit, of course, that she uh, got accepted. But there's this really twisted and, and frankly, incredible acting by scene in the kitchen where it's just the two of them talking. And, again, the camera is locked on Mia Goth. And, again, Ty West is a genius. He knows where to put the camera. He knows how to how long to hold he knows you know when to you know brighten the canvas when to darken it and i mean he's a master in of its own right but this particular scene it is we're locked on on her for the majority of this of this monologue and i mean dear god it it was one of the best uh from last year i mean just the the raw power that comes through her performance and it is a riverboat adventure of, of emotions from beginning to end because now the veil has truly come off for this character because now she has she has nothing left. I mean, prior to these events, she had killed her parents. She had you know she had gone on this rampage. So, I mean, her only ticket out of this 
this farm and out of this life was to hopefully get accepted by the dance troupe. And when that doesn't happen, I mean, she's about at rock bottom, but by this point she accepts it. And it's almost like she's, she wants to hear the good news from her sister-in-law and she's able to, to manipulate and twist the truth out of her, despite this resistance to say that she was in fact, uh, um, accepted, and this, of course, you know, sets off this really feverish and and just impassioned monologue where, where you know, Pearl is holding nothing back, and it's really her moment to kind of express her her raison d'être to to her sister in law, where she sort of goes through all these 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 backlogged emotions and feelings about how much she resents her husband, how much she hates being trapped on this farm, how she was relieved at one point where she miscarried their child because she thought, okay, this is how I'm going to get off this place. She then, you know, essentially confesses to all of the to the evil deeds that she has done and how she gets a sense of purpose whenever she she does harm to someone. I mean, it's it's just this incredible, raw, and, and frankly frightening performance where it's just the camera is locked on her and we are watching her not unravel because I think at this point she's accepted who she is. She's accepted that she's a bad person and she is just putting it out there for the world to see. And there's almost this kind of relief and exhale through her revelation that she's like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, see, it's all out in the open now. Everything is, everything is going to be, is going to be great. And like I said, it's through this, this, uh, this moment that she's able to kind of twist the truth out of her sister-in-law that she, in fact, had won the audition. And this, of course, now sends her into a fit of of jealous rage. And she then, of course, you know, commits the the final, <laughs> the final act in the film where she. Uh, goes after her sister-in-law and kills her, <laughs> kills her with an axe. And I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's a bloody, it's a bloody mess all the way around. But uh, in any event, just that kind of a, of a scene, which, you know, it just, it takes, it ta- almost takes you out of the fact that it's a horror film and you feel like you're watching a real character study of this, of this individual who, like I said, at one moment we're feeling tremendous sympathy for, and, and we're kind of rooting to succeed, and then at the same time, you know, being oh my god, repulsed and 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 trying to distance ourselves from the character because she's revealed to be such a, a menace and and such a such a twisted fiend, and it's just it, it's such a a yo-yoing of the emotions, and and again, knowing where the character ends up. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, prequels can, can overdo it or can explain too much. This was the case where the explanation sort of enhanced the viewing of of the later film because, as I said earlier on, in X, Pearl and Maxine have this, uh, this discussion where uh, Pearl essentially tells Maxine, you're going to end up just like her. You're going to end up uh, alone. You're going to end up uh, ambitionless and, and, and nothing good is going to happen to her. And it's sort of almost, she's projecting her own failures and her own disappointments onto this, onto this young woman. And of course you see in Pearl, how everything transpired, how everything ultimately, uh, came to be for her. And there's this, this line early on in the film where Pearl's mother tells her that, you know, basically you can't expect, life to work out for you and you have to make the best uh of what you of what you have and pearl is fighting against that idea the entire film she wants something better i mean even if it means she has to to kill to get her way she wants to have a better life and and escape the farm life situation um but ultimately through through fate through through circumstances through her own doing Ultimately, she isn't getting off that farm. She isn't getting in to a better life. And by the end of the film, even though she has committed all these atrocious acts, including killing uh, her own mother and father, she, weirdly enough, makes peace with it and almost 
you know, acknowledges the fact that she, yes, she's a horrible person, but she's going to make the best she can of the life she has here, which is to be a good wife, to, to care for the farm, and to try to find some kind of happy existence. And it's, it's really this sort of, sort of twisted and almost, you know, oddly poignant ending, which, you know, again, you put aside all of the horror elements, you know, there is that sort of understanding that I think uh, many, many people acknowledge and, and go through, which is that life is not fair. And there is this sense of of things, you know, working out in, in ways you may not have expected, both good and bad. And so there is that, that odd relatability uh, with the character where, again, we're never going to be sympathetic to her uh, as we might have been at the start of the journey, but there is that that understanding and there is that uh, understanding of of her motivations. We don't agree with them and and the film isn't isn't, saying you have to, but it's at least shining a light on who this person is, which I have to say in the context of a horror film is another rarity because uh, very often, uh, very, you know, it's very rare to see a uh, a, a a villain, a, a monster, if you will, uh, exposed in such a way where we see the humanity of the character and we see everything, not just the sort of the black and white. This is who they are, and there's no there's no contrast. This is a situation where we're really seeing the gray areas to a character's background and their traits and their personality, and and again, really presents uh, something that is in a way very human. That people are complicated. People have a range of emotions, and it's again, it's always in the context I think of a horror film that you can really play with these these real life themes and ideas and again you know do it against the canvas of a of a slasher film but also find a way to to kind of breathe a a sense of humanity uh, into the story and that's what I think ultimately makes this film such a uh, such a, a superior effort because it really is about the character and we're with Pearl from from beginning to end this is her movie where it's her point of view and and I don't think it would have worked any other way if it was kind of told in a almost a third person narrative you need it to we need to see the world through her eyes and we need to kind of go on this this journey even though it's ultimately frightening and disturbing to kind of understand and get inside this character's head and like I said earlier it does enhance the overall viewing of of X but uh, Pearl just hits it out of the park for me and I think partly because the film provides much more of a window in terms of characterization and and, and story and on top of it you get this unnerving and and hauntingly beautiful performance by Mia Goth and there's a a final scene which is I mean it's pretty much uh, pretty much uh, you know you know, well known at this point, where uh, you know after she's done her deeds and she's she's uh, you know made peace with herself and and sets the table for her husband's return from the war, the film ends uh, and it holds on on Pearl as she's watching her husband come in the door and she's sitting there at the table with this this smile that ultimately becomes protracted and and almost fractured at some point and she's just just grinning and almost you know you know uh, silently laughing uh to to us uh the audience and interestingly enough that was all uh an added uh, an ad-libbed uh, performance that was something that was done while in production which again just shows what a what a, a genius uh, Mia Goth is and how much she understands and and appreciates this character that a moment that was not uh in the in the script ultimately shines through uh, at the end of the film and that's that's sometimes uh what you can't uh expect it's those unscripted moments that ultimately enhance and make a movie uh oh so memorable so why why else why pearl over X, and I think another reason for me is the canvas to the film is much is much bigger, and it really plays with the genre in a way. While X is much more straightforward, I mean, again, there's a lot of 
great themes and, and ideas that are explored, by and large, it is straightforward in its approach. It, it borrows, uh, I shouldn't say borrows, but it pays homage to the, you know, the horror films of the 70s, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as an example. Pearl takes an opposite approach. Being set in 1918, of course, you've now got a different time and a different place. Still the same house, but you know, many, many years before. But the film really uh, takes inspiration from a lot of the great technicolor spectacles of of the 19 uh late 1940s early you know throughout the 50s and, and the 60s and think think uh, namely the wizard of oz and uh, pearl actually kind of is dressed in a dorothy gale like uh, uh outfit for throughout much of the film and kind of the overalls and, and the hair and the in the pigtails and there is this sort of almost Wizard of Oz, or I should say twisted Wizard of Oz-like quality to the film. I mean, again, it's it's bright. It has that sort of larger-than-life technicolor uh, feel, but yet the story is very grounded and, of course, you know, is a horror film, but it, it just sort of adds a whole other layer to the complexity and, and to the overall uh, narrative itself. Which you know again to kind of tie it back to the to the twisted Wizard of Oz theme, there is almost that 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 sort of parallel with with the story that happens with Dorothy Gale, which is that she wants to to get off of uh, the farm in Kansas. She wants something more. She wants you know over the rainbow, and then of course you know she goes on this journey ultimately to learn that there is no place like home, and that's where she wants to be. And in many ways, that same event happens. To Pearl. Now it isn't as happily ever after as Dorothy, but there is this, you know, this journey, if you will, this self-discovery, and then ultimately finding herself back at the same place that she was at the beginning of the film. She never uh, ultimately leaves. So there is a lot of interesting, uh, interesting uh, similarities. Oh, and of course, you know, she. Uh, uh, you know, uh, slow dances and waltzes <laughs> with a scarecrow uh, in the in the cornfield, uh, among among other things. But I mean, like, just uh, there's a lot of uh, similarities and symbolisms in this film, and 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 definitely, you know, after you know rewatching it a couple times, you can really see that they were going for uh, an almost larger than life uh, quality, kind of a you know, again, a throwback to the to the. You know, big budget Technicolor films uh, like The Wizard of Oz and sort of that 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 grandiose feel with these uh, you know huge you know, set pieces and and performances, but yet at the same time, you know this has a story which is which is very grounded and ultimately much darker than what you would find in those types of films. So it really was a nice blending of the genre uh, genres to create. I, I think one of the best films uh, of last year and, and really one of the best films of the last couple of years. I mean, I just say Pearl is one of those movies that while it is it is twisted and it, and it is dark, it is a, a fascinating character piece. And I have found myself going back to rewatch this one more so than X. And again, it's not because I think X is a bad film. I just think Pearl takes what was established in X and expands the canvas. And I think you have to say 90% of it, if not more, comes from Mia Goff's incredible, grandiose, gut-wrenching, raw, and terrifying performance as Pearl. And, you know, if any event, I can't wait to see what she's going to do with the third film in this in this trilogy where she'll be returning to play uh, the character of Maxine from X and I mean just seeing where this film went and how the next film suggests to be borrowing heavy from uh, films of the 1980s I think we're in for uh, a real exciting treat I mean I I did not think X could be topped especially given that prequels can sometimes complicate the narrative and and sometimes less is more not in this case this was a situation where 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 more was better and ultimately i felt it just surpassed everything about x because it took what we knew and just ran with it and then delivered 
one of the most unsettling and and just hauntingly beautiful performances of last year. And as as I've said uh, earlier in this podcast, and I'll I'll probably keep saying it, especially now that we're in award season, this is one of the uh, one of the ones one of the performances that should have uh, been in the conversation uh, for this year. Uh, Mia Goth just unleashes raw frightening terror in, in this character and, and really has created a a new modern movie villain. I mean, Pearl, I think, is going to be up there with the likes of Hannibal Lecter, Michael Myers. I mean, you just she she's in the conversation and, and that's great. And there's just something something uh, refreshing because a lot of times with these characters, particularly the uh, the, you know, the quote unquote bad guy or the slasher, it's very black and white, and that is not the case with Pearl. There are many shades of gray to this character, and I think that's ultimately what makes her so frightening and, and, and believable because there is that sense of realism. You know, this isn't uh, is some guy haunting uh, you and your dreams. Uh, th- there is something real and unsettling because the character is so grounded in in emo- in real life emotion and, and sort of uh, ambition that that has that that one foot uh, in in our world, so kind of lets us in uh, to the story, but also you know kind of shows uh, the ugly side of humanity, and and I mean that creates in my eyes a perfect villain, and certainly one that is going to be in the uh, the conversation for the foreseeable future, but uh, just. It's just such a powerful and, and and beautiful film, and I mean Martin Scorsese recently commented on it, and I was reading through his. Uh, I mean, first off, if Martin Scorsese is going to talk about uh, a film, you, you know it. Uh, it definitely is up there, uh, worthy of conversation. But he he said it best. It's a love letter to cinema, but it's such a an unnerving performance that you you don't want to watch it, but yet you have to watch it. And I think that's what can make a great uh, a great role is that it's so unsettling you can't help but but watch it and then still be thinking about it uh, even after you've left after after you've left a theater or turned off the TV and that has been my experience with the character of Pearl since I saw since I saw her uh, in in Pearl just this unsettling and you know you can't take your eyes off her on screen because it's just such a a vexing and and really transfixing performance from beginning to end and and she she stays with you 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 think about the story you think about the character and i mean again mark mark of a good movie as far as i'm concerned that it stays with you long after you've uh, you've finished watching it so definitely uh definitely something i would recommend and uh, again, not to uh, not to put down X, but uh, Pearl just uh, it just has that X factor uh, for a movie, and uh, it certainly uh, you know is is one that I would recommend even if you're not a fan of these types of of genre films. There is just something engaging about it from a character piece alone, putting aside all of the uh, horror elements which are in there, uh, to say the least. But it really is a character piece that really showcases uh, the ugly side of humanity and kind of what will ha- what people will go to in order to try and achieve their dreams and ambitions. But highly recommend it, and I, I just wanted to take a chance to to really talk about this talk about this movie because I only briefly mentioned it last year and I felt I got to talk about it uh, now that it's uh, uh, out on on Blu-ray. It, it's uh, worthy of uh, of discussion and, and you know as someone who is a uh, connoisseur of physical media. I of course had to run out and add this to uh, to the collection, and you know I'll get on my soapbox right now and say, as much as you can, whenever you can, buy physical media because unlike the stuff that's out there, uh, stuff that is out there on streaming, physical media lasts forever. It's something tangible. It's something you can hold in your hand and you can watch it again and again without fear of disruption or of it being 
uh, plucked from the digital catalog. All right, I will get off my soapbox uh, for the moment. Uh, all right, I think that uh, concludes my thoughts on Pearl. Just, uh, j- just a, 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 a fantastic and riveting film that, you know, frankly, you know, was one of the best from last year, and certainly I think one of the best uh, horror films and just movies overall in recent years. And uh, you know, I, I wish it was getting more recognition, uh, you know, as an awards contender, just from. From for Mia Goss' performance itself, I mean, to say nothing of the cinematography and and the set design and and the score, uh, it's all top notch and and fantastic. But that that performance, I mean, in both films, but especially in Pearl, Mia Goth just kills it <laughs> in the best possible way. So I I know uh, great things are on the horizon for Maxine, which. Maybe we'll come out this year, maybe not, uh, but it's it's already uh, heading into production. And according to uh, an interview I read from Mia Goth, she says it's the best script of the trilogy. So, all right, trying to keep my expectations in check, but you know, if anything, if I expect it, you know, could even top uh, Pearl. But uh, uh, to be uh, to be determined, as they say. All right, with that, I think I will sign off. That is all. For today's show, I will be back next week, and we're going to have another film on the uh, on the discussion board. Kind of a, a I don't want to call it a cult classic, but certainly a, an underappreciated film from the great Martin Scorsese. So uh, that's a little tease for next week's show. Until then, everybody, take care, be well, stay safe, go check out some movies, and I will be back next week, and we will do this all over again. 